to talk to you about this fast that's coming up. Um, I've been talking to people recently who have indicated they're not exactly sure what it's about. So I want to maybe help you understand that a little bit more. And I encourage you strongly, however, many of the people I've asked, do you know when they say I'm not sure what it's about, have not really read this well. So um, if, if you've read this and still are, have a lot of questions, then that's what I'm wanting to take care of with you. Um, John and I, as we've been praying a lot for our church, just really believe that God wants to do greater things than he's ever done before. We really believe that he wants to bring people to Christ faster and more. We believe that he wants to break strongholds in people's lives, people who are gripped with addictions. We believe he wants to restore marriages, that he wants to uh, work in families, that he wants to bring miracles physically, that he just wants to work to a greater degree than we've ever seen him work before. And so as we were uh, talking and reading Circle Maker, we began to say, what if we called the church to a 10-day fast leading up to Pentecost weekend so that we could all join together and say, wonder if God wants to do something and he wants to use me to help that happen, wants to use you. And so we're calling the church to this church-wide fast uh, beginning on a week from tomorrow. We'll go 10 days then up until Pentecost Sunday. Um, we're really hoping, John will be talking about this weekend, about this this weekend, but we're really hoping and praying that people take this real seriously and not just say, I'm going to give up coats for 10 days. Because if you work real hard at it, you can go without a Coke for 10 days. You really don't need, now some of you are saying, I'm not sure I could, but you really probably could. What we're hoping and praying is that many, hundreds and hundreds of people say, I want to do a fast that is so difficult that unless God helps me, I can't do it. Why do a fast? We want to come to the place where we're so dependent on the Lord. We are so in need of Him that somehow it seems, it appears biblically that that moves God in a way that, um, that our selfishness and self-focused behavior doesn't do. And so we're, asked, we're calling people to say, would you pray about what would God have you do that would really put you in a place where you desperately need God to come through as you go through that fast? Um, now, if somebody says, the only thing I think I, I'm so new at this, the only thing I think I can do is give up Cokes, we'll say, sure, we'll applaud you for that. But we're also hoping that hundreds and hundreds of people say, I'm going to put myself out there. Let me tell you, personally, when we first began talking about this, John and I, a couple of months ago, I was in tears. I said, this scares me to death. I don't know how in the world I can do this. It is so past me. I'm so... Uh, uh, I've always struggled with food stuff, and I've always had to eat regularly because of hypoglycemia and stuff like that. But um, So I began doing kind of a couple days a week of, of fasting, just bread and water. And that's kind of gotten me where more and more I think, yeah, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. So I want to encourage you to really pray and say, okay, God, where would you like to put me where I just need you desperately for this? Now, I understand that some of you are in situations with a husband or with kids or something where you say, Patty, I really want to do this, but I don't know how I can do it with my children. This is not a comparative thing. This is not where we're going to have you sit at your tables and have you go, Claire goes, I'm really more spiritual than you because I'm doing this. It's not a comparison thing at all. It's a, we're in this together thing, and we're all trying to figure it out, what it means to pray and fast, and really depend on the Lord. 
So I want to encourage you to read this. Um, on the, the very first thing was in the spiritually. Well, once you decide what you're going to do and the fast starts, um, determine the purpose for your fast. Okay, God, what would you like to accomplish in these 10 days in me and our church? And take a, a prayer, tells you to take a prayer journal and keep a journal of all that God speaks to you during those 10 days. I encourage you to, like for me, my uh, things are I'm praying for revival and I'm praying for my kids' salvation. And I'm praying for some miracles. Those are my three things. Some miracles where we go, this is only God, for my kids' salvation, and for revival for our church. So the whole ten days, that's what I'm just going to be constantly thanking God for and crying out to Him. This also tells you something else that really has helped me about the fast. As you abstain from food, make sure you feed on what? On the Word. Spend more time in the Word than usual. Fast from food, feed on the living word. So I really encourage you, I'm going to just really work in my schedule to say, you know, I'll go without TV more to spend more time in prayer. Or I'll, um, I'll uh, uh, not exercise as much. I'm not going to exercise during that 10 days because I, I don't think I can physically do that. Um, you know, try to find some places where you can, in addition to your normal time alone with God, you say, I'm going to spend extended times as much as possible. Now, again, I understand some I mean, if you have three kids under the age of five, this is going to be more of a challenge to you to figure out how to do it. So it's not comparison. It's you saying, I just really want to do whatever I can do. Somebody told me um, that they needed to do a, a media fast more than fast. It would be harder to do a media fast than it would be to do a uh, food fast. And so um, they're going to do the media fast more. So again, it's not comparison. It's what you want. What do you feel like God's saying to you? I want you to take two minutes around your table and talk about this. Where are you on this? And feel free to say, I don't like I, I don't want to do it. I'm scared to do it. Share your honest feelings about it. Each about 30 seconds, okay? Go. Where are you on it? Hey guys, real fast, let me give you a couple, just real fast about this, because Marty is surely chomping at the bit saying, I want to teach. We've got to get through this whole lesson. He's like, I am. Let me give you a couple things. Somebody asked, what about my 13-year-old who wants to participate? And somebody else said, what about uh, you know be, people who are on medication? Make sure you read this. It says the higher up you go in fasting, the more you need to ask the doctor. We have a doctor in our home group who's really concerned about those of us who are going to do the African fast. Um, yeah, if you're on medication, especially the more medications you're on, the more you have to be careful to talk to your doctor about how can you do this and balance that. Um, for the children, I think you have to be really wise with that. That might be a case where you say to the 13-year-old, "Hun, you're in so many sports and you're 13, perhaps you could just give up sugar, which is not going to hurt anybody. So we want to use wisdom. There's no question about that. But we also want to combine it with faith and say, how can you challenge me? Uh, I've had several people who are concerned about us, that we want to, to do a pretty strong fast. And all I can say is, I, I just, I just gotta trust them. And I may come, I teach on prayer that week. I may come in here and, and say, okay, I can't do this. We're gonna have to just sit and pray. I don't know. It scares me. I really, it scares me. But I want more. And I think it's the one discipline in the church that's never done today. Jesus says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. This is how you do it. And we give, we preach giving, we preach praying, but we don't preach fasting. So are we missing out on something? I don't know. We're in this together, guys. We're going to 
figure it out together, okay? It'll be fascinating. Keep that journal, keep that journal, keep that journal. Lord, I pray that you would now let your spirit be so present today that as we talk about contemplative prayer, that you would help us to learn, to hunger, to grow. I pray that you would open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds um, in a deeper way when it comes to praying. I pray that you would help Margie to just have great freedom and great joy as she shares. I pray that you would help us around our tables um, to be able to talk well. And I just pray that this will be a day when some things happen in our prayer, when we make some decisions about prayer that will help us to learn to love you better and serve you better and develop a deeper relationship with you. We pray in your name. Amen. Marky, come on up. Guys, Marky's going to talk about contemplative prayer today. We don't talk about fasting. We never talk about contemplative prayer. So for some of you, you're going to sit here and go, oh my goodness, this is absolutely crazy talk. I don't get it. Hang in there and pray about it. Marky, let's see how it goes. <laughs> I love this woman. Uh, you can start that. Oh, it is started. Yeah, it's still going. All right. Well, it is great to be with you guys today. I am looking forward to today. I really am, even though it's very personal, so it's hard to share personal stuff. And at the same time, um, I've got my usual nervousness going on. I thought what we would do is I've got in the front of my journal, I have collected some verses that always get me into my quiet moment with the Lord. So I'm going to read through these and um, just to settle our hearts and get us where we need to be. Um, and I... I've got, I've got more notes on uh, than I normally do, just because there's a lot of quotes and a lot of verses on there that I just felt led to put on today. So, apologize for the extra paperwork, but... Alright. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and the thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. The path of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn. Thanks, Jesse. Hello? The path of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen waiting for the morning, more than watchmen waiting for the morning. My heart is not proud. O Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Jesus says, Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. As I read through those verses, just share around your table. One of them just kind of jumped out at you. One of them spoke to you more than some of the others. Okay, you guys, that's um, just a little hint that I have as far as getting myself into the spirit in the morning when I get before the Lord. Is I, I have some of these verses that are in front of my journal. And as I go through um, reading and other times, I'll, I'll add another one to it just because my heart is always changing and we're always in transition. And so some things speak to me one time and sometimes another, but that's just a great idea of what you can do. Another thing I, I, I do a lot of is I, re- I read, uh, I write my own uh, little prayers off to the Lord. And I, I wrote one today because other times that I've written, said stuff that I've written, you guys have asked me for copies, so I put it in here. But this was the very first one that just flowed out of me from my quiet time. And it was just my heart cried that day. And I, I didn't make any corrections to it. It just came out. I just, I, I believe it's of God. Um, it's called a Mother's Day song. I wrote it on Mother's Day. That's why I named it that. Awaken me, Holy Spirit so that I can hear your song. Speak to me so that I may not walk alone. Teach me your ways. Work in my heart. Speak to my soul. Give wings to my heart. Fill me with truth and keep me from harm. Bring praise to my lips and never let go of my arm. May love be my driver and truth be my guide. Your presence, my glory, forever abide. And that was something that I never knew I could even do that. I just started writing. And another thing I suggest for you, just start. <laughs> just put it down to paper. What's my heart saying? And, and you can feel it coming, and then it goes. Um, and then I wrote one more, one more verse here. This was Job writing at the end of, of all of his trials. And this is what he said. My eyes, my eyes had heard of you, but now... Or my... My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. That's kind of what I'm hoping for today. We we listen so hard that we can see God clear. Um, I brought in today all these candles, so be careful. I I don't want anything to catch on fire. I kept looking at that over there thinking. (laughs) I don't want to catch anything on fire. And I brought them from my mantle. I have them up on the mantle in my house, and you know that I I was just gathering them down this week, and this thought came to me because I, um, you know, I noticed that I hadn't lit them very much. It's just it's a high mantle. It's really hard to get up there. You got to light the candle. You get the ladder out. You get up there and you light the candle, and it's a lot of work. But when I was shopping this week, I found this amazing candle, and and with this candle. You can just push this button, and it lights, and it looks like a candle. It smells like a candle. It feels like a candle. I'm going to turn, send it around so you can look at this. Because it's really amazing. And you can use the button and turn it off, and then turn it back on. And I thought, perfect. I will put a couple of these fake 
watermark. I'll put a couple of, of these fake candles on my mantle next year, and I can just press the button, and it'll start. And it'll be just like my fireplace that's underneath the mantle, where I just press the button, and my fake logs, they just, poof, they come and they are, they're lit automatically. You know, and I just love it because it just gives out this warmth and this ambience and I just love fires and and I was the one that always had to start the fireplace. I was the one that had to do all the work. You know, make sure that we had logs and make sure that we brought the logs in the house and stoke it and fire. Chris has nothing to do with fires. He doesn't, just not fascinated by them at all. So I was the one that was doing all the work and I thought now that I have my fake fireplace, it's just pushing button and it starts and I love that and push a button and it starts a candle I mean that's that's kind of the way our world is isn't it that we want to just be able to push a button and have something there for us so I was thinking about that that's kind of how we want the Holy Spirit to be be too don't we we just want to push that button and that fire is just going to light inside of us do it as easy as we can what is it that we have to do to be able to get to this place to know God better we want it to be easy and slick and and by a push of a button and be turned into these amazing women of God and I don't think that's how it is at all um In fact, if you want to think about this, look at that fire as you compare this little candle that goes around, and think about what fire is really like. If you, I was thinking this week, what if, what if you had to describe fire to someone else? How would you describe it? You would start out and stumble along, and you'd say, "Okay, well, I've got this little wooden sticky thing that then I strike against this little sandpaper thing, and then poof, this hot, fiery, warm stuff comes out, and all of a sudden it's burning." And then, and then you can take this little stick and you can put it on this little piece of string and it will start burning the string that's inside this waxy substance. But at the same time, if you touch this hot thing, you're going to get this blister and it's going to be painful and hard and, and it's going to hurt. Or this little tiny fiery thing can be tipped over and start your whole house on fire and consume your whole house. And it will all go up in smoke and then you can just take the ashes of a whole house or a mansion and rake it into maybe a little bucket. You talk to that person that you were trying to describe that, and they would think you're nuts. Because it really is amazing when you think about fire. It is an amazing thing. And, and we can't even come close to it in our fake little world with our fake little candle. And um, like, that, uh, like that fire to start the fireplace, it takes work to start the fire within us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we get that fire in us? And how do we keep it lit? To keep it going. With that in mind, I want to look at Matthew um, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. If you want to turn your Bibles. This is John speaking. Before Christ is even on the scene, and he says, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I probably have it in your notes too, but I always like to... Go to the word. Matthew 3, chapter 11 says, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not even fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John here is describing the Holy Spirit as this fire. Um, and now we, as believers, get to experience that. 
My question to you today is, do you really want that authentic, that fire glowing in you, that fire that maybe can burn you, that fire that maybe can hurt you or consume you? Do you really want that, or do you want the fake fire that looks, you look pretty good on the outside, but maybe um, it's not a real fire burning inside you? I think all of us want that today because we wouldn't be here today if we didn't. We wouldn't be keep studying God's word if we didn't want. That's what we want. We want that, that fire. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more on an experiential point of view. My experience with what I'm going to talk to you about, this idea of contemplative prayer, the prayer of simplicity. And it's more what I've experienced than, than what I've really went out and read about. Um, yeah, and so take that for what it's worth. It's it's more what I am experiencing. And um, I, with that in mind, I want to give you two disclaimers that I want to put out there. One, I am just a beginner at this. I do not have all the answers. I am just on this journey, and I'm excited about this journey, and I thought I would share it with you. But I by no means feel that I have got this down at all. But the other side I want to take, talk to you about is that I think this can be life-changing. Because I've seen it happen in me. I feel like it's changing my life. And so, be prepared for an exciting journey. Um, and this is where um, the first thing I wanted to say, and the first blank to fill in, it says, we hear God. The first thing is we hear God by being quiet before Him. By listening. Prayer is not only about talking but about listening. The question I want you to ask around your tables now, have you ever even sat and thought about that? Have you ever thought about, huh, I usually think prayer, and this is what I was always thinking about, prayer is about putting your, you know, going out there and confessing your sins and, and praising God with all these the glorious things that he is and what he's doing in your life and then getting to that list of things that you want to ask him for. But have you ever thought about just listening to God during your prayer time? Go ahead and talk about that during your ta- at your tables. I don't know what you guys are talking about at your tables, but I know when I first thought about hearing or listening, just being quiet before the Lord, I thought, oh my goodness, how can I possibly do that? How can I possibly just be still and not hear and, and, and not talk? I mean, I'm not a big talker, so it's easier for me than I know for some of you. I like to listen anyway, but how do, you, how do we just do that? Last week, Megan said that some of her points were, seemed like duh moments, like they, they seem so obvious. And my, my points seem the same way. They just seem so obvious. So bear with me. But the first point that I want to make about how do we turn off our busy minds and sit down and just listen to God, the first thing I wanted to say is by shutting out all the noise, all the clutter in our lives that we are bombarded with. First, we have to turn off stuff. We have to shut it out. Um, how can we possibly hear God if all we're doing is having life come at us 24-7, constantly hearing what everybody else is saying to us, constantly just um, being um, just emerged in this culture? I, I guess I, I'm just, I've been thinking about this so much lately. Um, and, for, and Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, and I don't, you don't need to, cho- to um Look, turn to that, but it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. And I think one of the ways we do that, one of the ways we quench that fire within us, is just by saturating with what the world is telling us. We're just so immersed in our culture that we're just saturated by that, and it just completely takes that fire out of us. 
I think our world is so amazingly noisy these days that we have to be intentional about our life. We have to make certain decisions what we want to be or we're going to become those zombies that the culture tells us we are. We have to be intentional about what we're going to do. And I think it's not only what we do, but it's also about what we do not do. And I think um, one of the things that... um, we should not do is just be listening to what the world says. And I think keep that in mind also when Patty's talking about our um, fasting. What are the things that are drenching the fire within you? What is it that's, that's so that's keeping you from being all that God wants you to be? Think of that part too. Um, whether it be food or I know when I eat a lot of sugar, I, I'm not the person God wants me to be. I don't have the mind that God wants me to be. Or when I'm sitting there at night, sitting as a vegetable in front of the TV. That's not what God wants me to be. So some of these things we need to be intentional about. Um, And I think you all know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to let you talk around your tables a little bit. Um, What are some of those practical ways that you can shut out the clutter and the noise in your world? I want you to be honest here. Be intentional about your life. Maybe you don't even want to hear the words that are going to come out of your mouth. But think about it. What are you allowing into your mind? That God doesn't want there. What are you filling your mind up with? I think we could talk about this for a long time. We all know what it is that we're doing that's filling our minds up. I hear lots of energized conversations around your tables on this regard. I want to suggest to you guys that... Um, not only can we, and this is going to be a really controversial thing here, especially with Patty Gray sitting right in front of me. But the controversial thing that I'm going to say is, not only do we need to shut out, sorry Patty, <laughs> the world's chatter, but sometimes we just even need to shut out good teaching and, and scripture. What I'm going with here is that... <laughs> We rely only on what, what Pastor John is going to say, or what Patty says, or what whoever's teaching up here, and we rely on that. I want you to turn to John 14, verses 25 through 26. John 14, verses, and you can do This is what Jesus says. This is what Jesus is saying at the end of his life. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. I think sometimes we just need to turn off some of the other stuff and say, okay, what what is God personally saying to me? Give us give me the time to say, what is God saying to me? I know I was in a Bible study for years. Um, and um, it was a, a very uh, structured Bible study. And I, I just knew what the, there was a point when I thought, you know what, i got to get out of that study because i just got to hear what God is saying to me. Uh, and sometimes we need to do that too. But not heartstrings and, and not come with that situation. <laughs> Am I okay, Patty? <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> All right, point number two. And this is another of those dull ones, obvious ones. We need to um, listen to God by meeting often. That's the first word. A lot. It's the second word. 
as much as needed to keep that fire lit. I have a simple question for you. When God sent Jesus into the world, did he say, okay, meet me on this mountain um, once a week for a couple hours and I'll teach you all you need to know? Or did Jesus say to his disciples, okay, let's all get together on Sunday mornings between 9 and 10 and we'll talk about everything that we need to know. What did Jesus say to us? Did he say, okay, I think about 30 minutes is going to be enough. You know, once a day, maybe once every other day, or whenever it's convenient for you, I think, whatever it is, whatever you think you need, just kind of put me in that little time frame, and I'll tell you everything I need to know. No, he didn't say that at all, did he? He wants us to walk every single minute with him, every single... um, moment and so we have to be able to listen to him so that as we're walking through our day every minute we can hear what he has to say to us when you look around at your tables and you'll notice that each candle is a little bit different size and a different shape and that's because i think we each are made so differently we have different needs and maybe when you meet with the lord in the morning it only takes you a few minutes to really get in the word and you feel filled up for enough for your day Or maybe you're one that's just brand new at this. You have no idea. Maybe you need to spend a long time before you finally get to that place. But whatever it is that you need, what I'm saying to you is do you be sensitive to your own spirit to get to that place where you say, yeah, I think the Lord is speaking to me during this time. And I feel filled enough to be able to handle the rest of that day coming at me. Um... And I just see I slipped a question. Um, so talk with it amongst yourself. How long do you think you need? Or what is your normal routine? Just kind of talk around your table real openly. What is your normal routine of just having that quiet moment with the Lord? Okay, that's point number two. So be with Jesus. Remain with Jesus as long as it takes till you feel like you're hearing his voice. You were in John 14. Just look over at John 15. And, um, when we're talking about remaining in Jesus. And I think this is exactly what he's telling us. And we've studied this many times here. One of Patty's favorite chapters. John 15 verses 5 through 8. And it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man, re- man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such a branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This idea of just getting to the point where you're constantly in the presence of God. You're, he's remaining with you. So you've got to get to that point. So however long it's going to take you, you've got to commit the time. If that's really what you want that fire to go throughout your full day. The other thing I want to suggest to you, if you, aren't, if you don't think you can hear the voice of Jesus, then maybe that you aren't spending that much enough time with him. Let's look at John. Go back in John 10. These are convicting verses. But I think we read them lightly, but... But I think it's true. In John 10, let me see what verses I'm, um, 2 through 4. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. 
He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Go down and look a little bit farther. Down, and I think that's... Um, what is it, 16? Yeah. Verse 16, just down a little farther. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep. And he's talking about us Gentiles. That he's going to call into the fold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So if we aren't listening enough, or if we aren't hearing clearly enough, it's maybe because we're not listening enough. enough. And I want to suggest to you that um, if it's so hard to hear God, in, if it's so hard to hear him in our quiet moments, how are we going to be able to possibly hear him in our noisy world? In our crazy, noisy world. Okay, so there we have the first two duh moments here. Shut out all the other noise. Meet often as much as you need. <laughs> we had a balloon. The third point is to be still before the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. That's Psalm 46, verses 10. Um, I want to read from you, and I've got it in your notes, I think, uh, the highlights uh, from a chapter that um, A.W. Tozer wrote in The Pursuit of God under the speaking voice. And this is what he says, Whoever will listen will hear the speaking heaven. This is definitely not the hour when men take kindly to an exhortation to listen. For listening is not today a part of popular religion. We are at the opposite end of the pole from there. Religion has accepted the monstrous heresy that noise... Oh, it's in the fan. Next time it comes down, we'll grab it. Religion has accepted the monstrous heresy that noise, size, activity, and bluster make a man dear to God. But we may take heart. To a people caught in the tempest at the last great conflict, God says, be still and know that I am God. And still, he says it, as if he means to tell us that our strength and our safety lie not in noise, but in silence. It is important that we get still to wait on God, and it is best that we get alone, preferably with our Bible outspread before us. Then if we will, may draw near to God and begin to hear him speak to us in our hearts. The facts are that God is not silent, has never been silent. It is the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. If you would follow on to know the Lord, come at once to the open Bible, expecting it to speak to you. Do not come with the notion that it is a thing which you may push around at your convenience. It is more than a thing. It is a voice, a word, the very word of the living God. I want to tell you a little bit about my own personal story here. Um, And I put a scripture verse here, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think it's when we get to that place where we are completely in a... We can't do anything on our own. That poverty of spirit where we're just so horrendously um, incapable of functioning. And we call on God to help us. And that was where I felt like I was. May 28th, I was reading in the pursuit of God. And I read this, these, these words and I underlined them. And I just ran across this a couple weeks ago. And I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just made some special highlights here. It says, if we would indeed know God in growing intimacy, we must go this way of renunciation. This idea of full surrender. Um, of wanting God to rule in the temple of our heart. And if we are set upon the pursuit of God, he will sooner or later bring us to this test. It's talking about Abraham then, about how Abraham was tested when he brought Isaac up there to 
on that mountain to sacrifice his son. And it says here, um, if, if Isaac had talked, had made, or if Abraham had made a different decision, how different the world would be. He goes on, he says, so we will be brought one by one to the testing place. And we may never know when we are there. At that testing place, there will be no dozen possible choices for us. Just one and an alternative. But our whole future will be conditioned by the choice we make. As I read those words over in 2008, I had no idea how I would be going through that testing time. Um, it was a year later when I got that phone call. There was other things the Lord tested me with, and I'm not even going to go there. But um, I got the phone call from Tad. He said, Mom, I have two growths in my brain. And um, that was the phone call that changed my life. And I'm not going to go back to telling you that story because I know you've told you it before because it's so horrendous and honestly I can't even go back there and think about that time. But what I do want to talk to you about then, about today, is how the Lord ministered to me during that time and what I, the choice that I made. And I knew I had a choice at that time. I knew I had two choices. I mean, I didn't rationalize or make this decision, but I knew that I could either walk towards God during that time or I could turn and walk away from Him and say, I can handle this on my own. I just, I don't have any time for you, Lord. I don't even want to face you. I, I, I'm going to do this on my own. So I had these two choices. And I chose to, to, to want to have God right along with me. It was about that time that I was received a book. And the book is Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. I gave it, it was a book given to me by my brother and, and my sister-in-law. And um, it, it's an obscure book. I don't know where they came up with it. They had not read it. And they said, Margie, we just think this is for you. Um, and uh, we just want to give this to you. And I don't even know if it's in print where you can get it. I mean, it's, but it, uh, I suppose maybe you can't, but it was written in 1685 by this French saint. And she talks about contemplative prayer. This idea of you don't have to go anywhere or do anything. You just need to sit and listen to God and see what he is saying to you during this time. Well, this was perfect for me because I had no words. I had nothing that I could say. I, I, there wasn't anything I could even um, come up with in my own mind. And to sit and just be with God was just what I wanted to do. It's just the place I wanted to do. Just to spend that time. So I, I read this book. I underlined it. And I, I it was a whole different, and I, I can't go into it because it's a whole book of stuff of how, how you, and you get deeper with Christ when you do certain things. But um, So I'm not going into the step-by-step of that, and, I, and because I'm still at the beginning of it. But um, it's what I want to do. I'm going to say, okay, God, I made this vow. I said, I don't care if I never hear from the voice of God. I don't care if I never hear God, but I am going to make this commitment to listen. Because I'm not going to go through this horrendous time and not learn something. I am not going to uh, um, be put through this. I knew God had allowed this to happen to me. And I wanted to know what he was going to say to me. And I didn't care. I never heard. Because the important thing, that I was willing and I was listening. And that's all I care about. And I thought, how amazing if he speaks to me. In that time, um, and I want to talk to you too, that, that I was, um, I, I still feel that it's hard to sit and listen. And I've gotten better at it. But it's hard to just to be quiet and listen before the Lord. But these are some of the things, and this is where it gets personal. And this is what I think the Lord did to me 
and what her, where he's changed you. These are some things that I, as I thought about this, I thought these are some of the things the Lord has done in my life. I would say that there is never a morning that I don't wake up excited to be with the Lord in my quiet time. There is never a moment when I am, uh, morning I am not excited. I can honestly say that. In fact, during the time of Tad's trial, I would make myself stay in bed till 5.30. It was my rule. I would say, okay, I would be, wake up, is it time, is it time? And I, I it's, no, not till 5.30. I won't, I won't go there till 5.30, but that's what, what he's put this desire in my heart. Um, I found that if I put, if I start my quiet moments listening, that then the word that I read later on becomes incredibly alive to me. Um, I never um, get bored. I mean, I never, um, it just, if I spend just a few minutes just listening, I never find that, um, I, I don't, that it's always alive to me. I also, I'm finding, and this is something that's happening more now than it did earlier on, but I'm finding that the things that I used to cling to that I thought were so important in my life are becoming less and less important. They just aren't as important anymore. And I think when God strips everything else, obviously you can say, well, that's where your son is dying. You know, of course, everything else. And it may be true, but I think even it's even more so now after his death that now he's working in my heart more about giving up some of these things that I thought were so darn important before, and they just aren't. I've shared this before um, when I've talked specifically about Tad's t- the time, but um, that that morning, that time in the morning, when I had this horrendous situation right outside my room where Tad was laying in a bed dying, and I had to face the whole day of taking care of him, and and but I had this oasis, this moment in the middle, in the beginning of my day that actually gave me joy. It actually gave me peace. And I, I felt so guilty about that because how could I feel this time and joyful time when my son is dying next to me? I felt guilty about that. But he did that for me. It was a precious gift to have that oasis in that, that time. I also can tell you that if you ask me at any time, what is the Lord saying to you? I could pretty much tell you what, that, what, he's, what he's working on my heart with. I mean, I, I could say, oh, oh, he's, he's teaching me about righteousness, about how horrible sin is. Or he's teaching me about, I mean, I, I can tell you almost always what he is working in my heart about. Because there's always something. In fact, if I don't have an answer, it's usually because there's so many things coming at me that I, don't, I can't remember what the last one was. Um, but that, I think that's amazing. And that did not happen before I had this extended time alone with him. It wasn't there. These are all things that I was not this person before. I know it's the Lord working in my life. Right now, I also have this great desire to tell other people that the story of the Bible, the gospel, is truth. That it's real. I look at Tad on my desk at work in the morning, and I was when I was trying to put this together, I had this picture of him, and I was trying to think, what should I say? Should I get specific about contemplative prayer? What should I do? And I just, I felt him saying to me, Mom, tell him it's true. Tell him I am experiencing an amazing thing. Tell him it's true. And that's, and I have this desire to, to reach out to those 30-year-olds that are out there just wasting away their life and saying, it could stop. Look to the Lord. It is true. Heaven is real.
And the other thing that I've noticed that this feeling of being in the spirit just seems to last with me longer and longer. I know I used to get, I was doing quiet time for a long time, but I would be so frustrated because I would have this great time in the morning and I would feel so alive and so um, aware of what she was teaching me in the morning. And then I would go to work and about an hour later, the work would come on and I would just turn into this person I didn't even know who it was. I mean, it would just, it, it just, I just couldn't keep that in the spirit. I have noticed that I can, I feel like I'm more in the spirit more the whole day long. Um, and that's for another reason why I say, well, it's really good to do it first thing in the morning before the world attacks you and comes at you. And everybody can say, oh, um, can get up half an hour earlier or an hour earlier. You may not find that time later in the day once the world starts getting at you. Just go to bed a half an hour earlier or an hour earlier. But it's before the world comes at us that we can then, and maybe it's just because that's where my time is. I, I am a morning person, but um, it, it, it really has, I've noticed that it lasts longer throughout my day. So those words I read from Job, um, yes, I've heard... I heard, I heard, heard of you, but now I see you. That is what I see now. I see God more, and I know God is in this amazing place, this place called heaven. And that brings me to the last point: How do we keep in the spirit? And I've kind of touched on this already. Um, oh, maybe I should say that, Patty. By being still before the Lord. That was point number three. Still before the Lord. I don't know how much I should give you. Oh, number two? You know how we are about life. I didn't get the Spanish in here today. Oh, we hear God by being still before the Lord, by not doing anything. I'm sorry. I went off my notes instead of, by not doing anything, by being still, by being quiet. Thank you. So, how do we stay in it? Just like I have said before, the more you practice this in the morning, the more you allow moments in your day to just sit and ponder what you're thinking about. I know one of the things that I found that's really interesting, um, and Rachel, you're not going to believe this, but <laughs> Rachel, I used to, Rachel has trained me for years, I know. I'm not a good example. <laughs> but I will do my Bible study in the morning, and then I will get on, if I get on the, if I get on the elliptical. <laughs> That's the problem. But I, I find that, so there's times, if I've had a really good quiet time, I don't have to have the TV on. I don't have to have a book in front of me. I can just sit and think about what God has said to me. I take that quiet moment in the day to, to think about that a little bit more when I'm, when I'm working out or whatever. I love to take uh, a workout time, and it goes so much faster for me if I put in just worship music, just pondering God the whole time. And just I close my eyes. I, I have an elliptical that I can hold on to, and I, I just close my eyes. Or if you're in your car, turn off the radio and listen. think about what, what he's been saying to you. You don't have to have the noise coming at you all the time. Just find those little opportunities in your day to keep the spirit coming at you. And if you feel it's li- if it's if it's slipping away, I, I don't feel it. I'm just this person I don't like right now. It's not this person, is it? Some of the candles are burning. <laughs> um, if you if the, if the spirit feels like it's going away, then know that you need to be quiet and still before the Lord again. 
think about that. Just turn it back. Turn back and do it again. As many times as it takes. As much as you need. As often as it takes. To keep that fire lit. That's what you really want. There's this quote that I really like, and I put it in your notes because I really like it. Um, I remember reading this quote when I was with my daughter on, in Arizona, and uh, she was in school then, so it was a long time ago. We, we took a walk, hike out in the desert, and we, I, we sat on a rock, and I remember specifically reading this quote. It's so, isn't that something I can remember the time? That's how much it, it affected me. Um, and she was reading some romance novel, I know. <laughs> she was definitely not reading it. But it was in Mere Christianity, it says, Every time you make a choice... You are turning that central part of you, that part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your whole life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven. That is, it is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us, at each moment, is progressing to the one state or the other. I just love that because it's just that every moment, if you know you're going the wrong direction, you turn and you, you want to go into a heavenly creature more than you want to go into a, he- a hellish creature. And I just think that's a, a really neat um, uh, really neat quote. And I think that's what it's saying also in 2 Corinthians 3.18. I think I put that in your notes too. But if I didn't, this is what it says. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. With all that in mind, why don't we pray more often? I just, I'm going to hit just a few things that God's been laying on my heart, and so I wanted to share them with you. Why don't we pray more often? I think Megan asked that question last week. And I know a lot of the questions and answers around are, we're just too busy. I think it's deeper than that. First point, I think that we think too little of Satan and his power. We think too little of Satan. Let's look at Ephesians. Let's look at this passage, Ephesians 6. to remember this. Ephesians 6 verses um, 10 through 18. Verses 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in, the mighty, in his mighty power. I think you all know this verse so well. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, and with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That spiritual world that we just don't think about that enough. We don't think about what God, what Satan and his activities. And it says here, pray on all occasions. We're trying to be fooled by him. He's got us, we don't even think, we think too little of Satan. The second thing is I think we think too much of our own power. We think we can do life on our own without the help of the Holy One, our Lord Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit working in us. Let's look at Revelations 3, 15 through 22. Don't often reference Revelations 3, uh, Revelations at all, but this one is always so convicting to me. He's talking to the church of Laodicea. Starting in verse 15, and it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Then those and this is the part we always know but that other part came first. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and be with me. So if those verses before kind of hit a chord with you, you think you can do it on your own, he goes, those whom I love and I rebuke, I discipline, so be earnest and repent. Turn from that way. Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and be with him. To him who overcomes, we can overcome ourselves. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I think that's a good reminder that sometimes we think we're just too powerful ourselves. The third point, I think, sometimes we think too little of God and his majesty and his holiness. We just don't believe big enough. We say that God is love. That's an easy one to say. But, but in, in scripture it says he's also holy. Holy, holy. He says it so many times. Um, I think that's one of the things that God has really been working on my heart is that I just have this puny little idea of who he is. I don't have a clue of the bigness and the grandeur of God. And so I, I, I put a couple books down there for us to consider looking at. I just read through the knowledge of the holy again. And I am... Order the knowing God. I haven't read that one yet. But I think um, just ideas to keep reminding us how big and glorious and amazing this God is. We don't get caught up in ourselves. The third, third reference that I didn't put out in there, but it's the Old Testament. If you just read through the Old Testament, it's just, it's crazy. When you, when you think about some of the things that happen there, it just seems bizarre. And, and oh, But that's how big God is. He's big enough to hold back those seas. 
He's big enough to do those amazing things. They saw it more in the Old Testament. I think sometimes just reading the Old Testament opens our, our vision up to who God is. We need to expand our vision. Um, we need to open up our hearts to this unimaginable God, the wonder, the awe, the believer's Disney World. I taking my grandkids to, or going with my grandkids to Disney World in a, in a month, and it's uh, it's so cute because I'm going with my kids, and then my seven little grandkids are also going, so it's going to be great. But we ask them, okay, what are you so excited about? What do you think? It's so going to be so much fun. And they say, oh, I can't wait to see Mickey. I can't wait to see this princess. And that's what, but they don't have a clue what they are in for. They have no idea what it is going to be like. And it's so fun because we can anticipate how excited they're going to be when they finally see it. And I think that's the way we need to think about, about God and, and heaven. And we can't even begin to imagine. We don't even have the words to imagine how big God is. Um, and that brings me to the fourth thing. Um, we think too much of this world and not enough of the next. About heaven. Another quote that I really like um, is in C.S. Lewis, and I put part of it in here. I'm going to read it all here to you. But hope is the one the- is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one that the, that the things one of the things a Christian is meant to do. Does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. I think sometimes we think that if we just think about these earth, these heavenly things, that we're going to be useless. But no, it keeps us motivated to do things here on earth keeps us in mindful. It puts perspective into what, what our earthly life is all about. Um, I haven't given you anything um, very specific as far as the to-dos on how to do contemplative prayer, but I'm going to, if you want to open up your Bible to Isaiah 6, I'm going to walk through kind of what I do in the morning when I, um, and I'm going to do this sort of in a, in a prayer format, but um, one of the things that I noticed about a year before Tad passed away is I was just fascinated with heaven. I just wanted to read everything I could about it. I wanted to hear, and I was scared about that. I thought, oh, what's the Lord saying about me? Is he preparing me for something for my that I'm not going to be here? But I just have always been fascinated about it. So then when Tad did get sick, um, I, I, I wanted to know everything there was about heaven and about what that was going to be like. And so I studied a lot. And then I came across the scripture in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 6. And this is how I would always start my, my quiet time in the Lord. I would always start with this verse. I think a lot of times they su- suggest in, in contemplative prayer, we'll talk about praying the scriptures, but that's a lot of ways how you can get yourself right in. You pick a passage that you really like, and you, you start there. And then you just sit quietly and see what God does with that. So I'm going to walk through this verse with the time that we have rain, uh, or these verses as how I've been thinking about this in my mind, and then we will pray through this at the end. It says here in Isaiah 6, verses 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, which always meant so much to me because um, that is the year he was struggling. 
his king had died. And here was Isaiah at the beginning of his ministry. So just a pinpointing, when you're in a point of struggling, this is what happened to him. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. I struggled with that. What does that mean, the train of the robe filled this temple? And as I've worked through that in my own thought, and I don't know if this is scripture or not, but we think of ourselves, I think of that woman that um, was was ill and how she just touched, she was bleeding and she touched the train of the robe and the power went out of God, went out of Jesus and, and healed her. And I think, I think of that along with the f- fact that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when it says, and the, the train of his robe filled the temple, I think of Christ's presence throughout wherever I'm going that day. So I will think about my day coming up and I will say, okay, um, I'm going to be at Heartstrings this morning and I just want that temple of that, the ro- train of Jesus Christ to fill this room. If I'm going into work, I'll say, I just want the temple. I just want the train of Jesus Christ to fill my workplace. Or I want the train the, that train just filled me. I've since learned in the last couple months that that train is represents that it, as long as the train was, was how great that king was. And Jesus' train filled the temple. So that means that Jesus was so amazingly powerful. So that's really the, the real interpretation. But I always think about this. Where am I going that day? And Lord, I want your, your train to fill that place. It goes on. Above him were seraphs. These are the angels. Each with six wings. With two wings they are covered. Their faces with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And I think of the fact that, the, that these beings. And that seems crazy. Something was sick. This is where things get really crazy and bizarre. But you can't describe heaven. You can't. It's so amazing. So these two wings were covering his face. Because no one can look on God. Two, fing, two wings were covering the feet. Because even the, the humblest places on our body were covered on the angels and the third that they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord god almighty the whole earth is full of his glory and i'm struck by the fact that it doesn't say that heaven is filled with his glory but earth is filled with his glory what does that mean where are we seeing the jesus's glory here on earth god's glory here on earth and the sound of their voices the door and with and the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. It's such a multitude. And I, I think you have to keep in mind, too, that this is happening as we speak. This isn't something that just happened. This is what's going on right now. This is where we get to go when we go into that quiet place anytime we want to. And the, the heavenlies are talking so loud that the actual thresholds and the doorposts are shaking. It's like in a thunderstorm when you feel that thunder come and the whole building feels like it's moving. This is how amazing this, this, this worship is of the Lord up in heaven right now as we speak. And the temple was filled with smoke. That was another one that, that I could not figure out until I hit Revelations 8, 15, 8 where it says, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And then it made sense. It's not smoke that you can't breathe. It's God's glory and his power is filling that temple. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I think any time we come before the Lord, that's just always the reaction you find. Woe to me. And I think, Lord, what, where am I breaking your heart today? What am I doing that's, that's disappointing you? And then I love this. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Whatever it is that in that time when you think about, when I go to that woe is me, I think, what have I, where have I let down this day? What am I, I just kind of check my heart. But then he comes and he not only touches, he touches the specific thing. If you'll notice there, see, this has touched your lips. Remember, Isaiah said, woe is me from a man of unclean lips. So he touches the specific sin that he, that he was talking to, talking about. And then this, Beautiful thing at the end. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. And I think of being in front of this amazing God and this place filled with people. What did you think Isaiah's hand went up? Do you think it went up, Here I am, send me? Or do you think it was one of those, Here I am, send me? And every day I think, Okay, what is, where am I going today? Where, how high is my hand going up? Is it saying, here I am, send me. That's a lot of my days. Or, here I am, send me. Or is it, I can't go today, Lord. I just don't know. I don't know. And that's how I start my day. And then I go into, I just try to imagine Christ coming into my presence. And what is he saying to me? And that's how I start my day. So I'm just going to read to this again. Let's all bow our heads. We're gonna have a, I'm going to leave a little bit of quiet end so you can maybe just think it's going to be very uncomfortable quiet in a group is really uncomfortable but I'm going to do that and then I will end, I will pray and then um, allow you guys to pray a little bit too in the year that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple above him were seraphs each with six wings with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were saying to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. I live amongst the people with unclean lips, and my lips are unclean. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom will I send? And whom will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me.
Lord God, how hard it is to be still before you. To just be quiet, but how precious it is to. It's, it's amazing that you want us to just be still and know that you are God. In this world of crazy noise and crazy stuff going at us, Lord, help us to think about just being quiet before you certain times in our day, certain moments when we feel like we're pulling away from you. And Lord, I know there's a lot of things that are going on in all these gals' lives and how much we all want to just be closer to you and draw closer to you. So I just pray your Holy Spirit helps us with that, helps us to draw closer to you. And now I want to give everyone at the table an opportunity to just talk out loud amongst their tables with what's going on in their heart right now. And then I will close us in prayer.